You're listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I'm your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, David Hall. Hello, hello. Hey, Donnie Spiker. Good day, fellas. And Greg Hectus. Uh... On tonight's show, we'll talk all things week 13 and review the new quarterly build. You'll get my thoughts on racing electric cars. And as usual, we'll have tons of hardware topics. And remember, you can follow along with us on your PC or mobile device in real time as you listen to the show and see for yourself all of the great topics and products we discuss by visiting iRacersLounge.com and selecting show notes. Let's see you there. So, Donnie, I was a little bit sad that I couldn't make the show last week because I had to work a ball game because you got your sim coaches pedals, and we, we didn't really get a chance to talk about that. But, boy, aren't they exciting pedals? Yes, sir. Uh, honestly, so much to adjust on them. Um, you need leg strength. So I guess that's why you post all those gym videos. Um, but yeah, even last night I was, I was asking you, I adjusted my throttle pedal before I went to bed a couple nights ago. Then I hopped on the sim last night. Couldn't realize I couldn't even get to 8,000 RPMs. Realized I had to go in their app, readjust all the settings, which wasn't hard at all. Very simple. It's just, um, just a detail in it is great. Yeah. And I actually need to show you the visor setting that I use on ovals because I have a little curve that gives me that makes it easier to handle the sna- the snappy loose condition that we were talking about as well. Yeah, so I had it good for Darlington, and last night I was thinking the same thing. I got to go back in there and figure out because towards the end of the run, I was getting snappy loose off of two. So I think I can almost update for each track if I keep good notes. But uh, you notice the exact same thing that I noticed that, that not only is the quality of the product so good, and yeah, they they require so much force. Are you using shoes? Because I had to switch to shoes. Yeah, but I think I, and I, I have a, the Converse, the gummy soles, and that's hard with the throttle. So I think I got to go back to my my Nikes. Yeah, I just use my regular, actually weightlifting shoes that that I wear all the time. Uh, but the other thing we we mentioned is just the amazing customer service that they have, and just how easy it is to get in touch with the guys whenever there's any any kind of problem, or even even when it comes to sales, everything. Yep, everything's been great. Uh, the Discord channel is awesome, and. I've been emailing Lawrence off and on for the last couple of weeks, just about random things. So it's uh, the customer service is great. I can't wait till we get to ch- a chance to see some of the other products that they're going to be coming out with. So speaking of sim coaches, they offer realistic sim racing equipment that you need to win more races online. It is designed for real racers. They feel like real pedals. They're, they have hydraulic construction that makes them feel just like the real thing. They have high-quality construction with 100% leak-proof and a lifetime warranty, which are the key features. They are absolutely amazing looking. Check out simcoaches.com and use the coupon Lounge to get 10% off your purchase. And We're the only ones who get 10%. Everybody else gets 5%. Simcoaches.com is your ticket to feel like you're actually sitting behind the wheel of the car, drive harder, and stay on the limit longer. It's Build Reek, but before we start talking Build, the first thing we'd like to talk about, Mike, is that iRacing is now connected. Yeah, that's what they're calling it. Uh, we 
we saw a tweet here from Kevin Bobbitt, who's the Director of Marketing and Communications. Um, he tweeted out information regarding a new iRacing email newsletter, and they're calling it iRacing Connected, uh, or Connected Today is actually what it is. Uh, he says, hope you all enjoy it. Goal is to do these monthly to keep the community informed on what is happening in the iRacing world. I haven't seen it in my inbox yet. Um, I don't know if you guys have, uh, but you know, I always love uh, additional sources of information. I mean, we're always looking for topics uh, to talk about on the show. So uh, I'm, get, I'm happy for it. Don't we get emails about certain releases when, or, or certain features of new releases that will actually come from iRacing? Yeah, those are usually like quarterly. I think this is maybe they're trying to take it monthly. It's always good to have more outreach. Is it is it going to be sent to everybody automatically, or do you have to subscribe to it? Well, I think that's unknown. I was looking at the uh, replies to the tweet, and one of them indicated it would go out to all you know subscribers. Okay, so it, we're automatically subscribed. Then that'll be cool. It will be a quick browse probably for us because we tend to be a little bit we we catch almost every rumor before it's going to get in that newsletter anyway but it'll still be good to see if we miss anything. Yeah, I've been checking for it. I haven't seen it in my mailbox quite yet, but I, I can only assume soon after this build week is, is gone through. Well, yeah, speaking busy of build time, week, busy week. Yep, yep. And speaking of build week, one of the first things we have a re uh, released, Donnie, is the Motorsports Arena Oslerleben. I believe we're saying Oslerleben. That's the way Brian had it last week. I think you had it good there. But iRacing will add Motorsport Arena Oslerleben to a list of well over 100 officially licensed tracks available on the world's premier sim racing service with the release of the 2022 Season 4 build uh, this week. The German track will feature four layouts, Grand Prix, Moto, and two shorter layouts utilizing parts of the track upon release and will be purchasable by all iRacers for use in public races, hosted league sessions, time attack, and test drive gameplay modes. I didn't watch the video... But the tweet here with this that corner that has the two configurations, including that really hard 90 degree, is pretty interesting. There's a story behind that. Now, the iRacing put out their uh, podcast just a few hours ago, and I actually uh, got to listen to it right before recording. And they talked about this a little bit. Um, this corner has some history in it, and, it, and somebody is rumored to say that this is the worst first corner in motorsports history and so so the as you can see in the second screenshot on the instagram they have a different configuration where they put out you know hay bales and and force the apex way up and you know deep into the corner so it's a hard left instead of a real fast corner uh and um yeah and so apparently iRacing has uh, both configurations um be but the second one is the one that's famous because it's to alleviate the the worst corner in motorsports or worst first corner in motorsports. Which which one is considered worse, the the ninety degree or the the kind of standard chicane? The standard one without the hay bales, I believe. Interesting, because I would think that the hay bale said it would be utter not another nightmare because of how everybody just sends it in the first turn on cold tires. Yeah, you don't want to Monza every track where high speed straight into a one gear, uh, 90 degree right hand, left hand turn. Now, I could be wrong. It could be the other way around. I'm just basing it based on what I heard. But 
yeah, there was a video, uh, you know, where you could see the onboard lap where you can kind of see the terrain and whatnot. There's a, it's fairly flat, kind of grassy, not a lot. There's a little bit of hillage, but not much. Uh, I don't see a lot of elevation changes. So you guys have more, way more time on the service than I do. Uh, I'm two years in and they've added tons of material since I've, I've been a member. Do you guys get to a point where you're, you forget what we even have? Cause I probably won't run this unless I'm going to race a series that goes to it. I won't seek it out unless, uh, unless I'm going to need to do it for, for a series. But do you guys have that uh, feeling where you don't even know what is all on the service or you just kind of lose track of stuff? Well, you're going to, you're going to find your own niches unless you're one of those guys who just likes to really go out and do everything. Uh, what's forced me to learn a lot of new tracks and, and cars is when I run the major series because they like to pick a bunch of random combinations. And so did, so does the Reddit league that I've run with before, um, that they just kind of pick all kinds of weird random combinations, which might get you in a place, but unless your series that you like to regularly go to go there, you're probably not going to grab it. Um, and I'm still to the point where I haven't bought all the new road courses that run on, on IMSA and Eurosprint because I just haven't wanted to spend the time to learn it. Uh, that's I, what, yeah, I'm sorry. And that's, what's so cool about this service is there's so many, different avenues you can take if you'd like. And it's such a big world that they're building almost to encapsulate uh, real life. And it's just awesome to see. It's just going to keep going and going and going. Well, um, I'll take the next one. Race spot has been hacked and they just have a tweet on their Twitter saying, uh, our YouTube channel has been hacked and we are working as hard as we can to recover it. This is back on September 3rd. So do we know if they've gotten that back yet? Well, I was just looking at uh, Twitter feed now to see if there's an update. It says, uh, the malicious bulk action on our account is what we feared. Thousands of broadcasts from us have been removed. We are attempting to work with YouTube to resolve the situation via ticket, but no response yet. If unrecoverable, this is not only a huge loss to us, but to the history of sim racing. And that's not us being egotistical. We have our own backs, backups of VODs from iRacing special event and WCSs we did amongst other major events, but this is only a minority out of the many league. And then it says update, there's still 1,500 broadcasts missing. I find it absolutely ridiculous that YouTube doesn't have backups so somewhere. It's probably just shoddy uh, customer service. You would think so. I mean, it, so they lost control of the account. Somebody mass deleted all their videos. They got most of them back, but not all of them. That's kind of the way it reads. But, you know, you you, you pay money to get a broadcasted event for your league or your team or whatever, or or you, you participate in a, a broadcast event and it's on YouTube. You think it's going to be there forever, but I guess this is a lesson. You don't take that for granted. <laughs> I do wonder, though, I mean, it. if, I, I, you know, we listen, obviously, we're all fans of Junior's podcast and kind of listen to him talk about the historical races that he goes goes to watch. I wonder if when I'm 70, I'm going to go back and watch a sim race from when I was 50. True. You know, I do watch a lot of old real races, though. So I don't know, maybe as time goes on and the Coke series develops, but like right now I'm going through the 1990 uh, Bush series. And I find it absolutely fascinating. It's just background fodder for whatever I'm doing, maybe in the garage or in the kitchen, but still fun. 
It might be interesting to see what it what it's like when they have instead of VR they actually race in holographic projections, right? You know, and then laughing at us with our little two dimensional screens. Yeah, maybe. Uh, man, somebody brought that up to me not too long ago about how sim racing can morph into the future where we can actually race real time with somebody else on a track via that way. I don't know. Well, basically, you know, I mean, eventually we got to have the holodeck if if you know Star Trek. Star Wars. Well, um, this is not brand new material, but there's a tweet on it saying that from Dell Jr. that he wants to see the Coin State Fairgrounds added to the service. It's another one mile dirt track in Decoin, Illinois. Yeah, for most of the week, I thought he was referring to the car, and I thought, well, we kind of have a lot of a lot of this already. But the track's awesome. Do we have a one mile dirt track on our racing yet? Eldora's one mile, isn't it? Eldora, yeah. This just seemed fast, faster than Eldor. Maybe it was the car I was watching. That's is that that's a what is that car? Is that a midget? Wingless midget. Dirt or yeah, sprint dirt, car. Dirt midget. Yeah, wingless sprint car. Dirt or dirt midget. One of the two. Yeah, well, that is so a when, big the track. when the director of iRacing, Dale Earnhardt Jr., says he wants to get a track scanned, he usually gets his way. Yeah, I wonder what kind of pressure they have when. Um, and maybe he doesn't even know it. He just randomly says something. I want this track scan. And now what kind of pressure behind the scenes go on about now? It's we got to get that track scan. Junior wants it. Right. Exactly. So I'm sure they're talking about it. Um, so we're talking about it. Hey, bring it on. We need more, you know, instead of a fancy trans- transition for this one, I'm j- I've just got one word for you, but it's not really a word. Okay. Oh, man. <laughs> iRacing's Porsche, Porsche Mission R at the Hockenheim ring. So iRacing posted on to their YouTube channel, the Porsche Mission R taking on the Hockenheim ring in Germany. All the videos I've seen um, so far this week sound like that. So I'm curious what it'd be like racing it for a period of time. But I think you had the pitch good. Shouldn't they uh, be calling this uh, Porsche Mission L for lame? Hody Crows, you showed up. How about that? <laughs> just in time too. I uh, just just in time for for this one. Um, <laughs> I don't know about you guys, man, but this electric car stuff is just kind of silly. I know this is a uh, the way we're going, but man, you know, I was thinking nails on a chalkboard is kind of what I akin it to. I mean, it's not the same sound, but it's the same feeling. When I hear this, it's almost like a vacuum cleaner at 12,000 RPM. Well, you'll hear this in your cars as well, in, in the cup cars, believe it or not, but it's covered up by the engine sound. What you're hearing is the transmission. Because there's no engine noise, I'm hearing the transmission. That's the noise that's driving me nuts, right? Yep. But with all that said, I bet it's a fun drive in real life. I, I bet none of us are going to complain if we sat in that thing and drove it around a track. Yeah, that horsepower number was pretty pretty ecstatic. And um, I, I was wondering if any of the other cars had that much horsepower. I think maybe the Formula cars do, especially the hybrid ones. And the, the P1s, I know that when they add their front-wheel drive hybrid system, that that's an extra 400 horsepower on top of the rear-wheel drive. So it's it's uh, those are pretty quick, too. Yeah, it's it's coming. It's coming. It's going to be more prevalent as we get older. Actually, that, it was... What, we need to do Sorry, this. Honey, I was going to say zero to 60 and 2.6 is, I think it said. It's crazy. It still doesn't beat the Tesla on its whatever mode they have. 
Yeah, the Porsche 919 can do it in 2.2 seconds as well. Maybe I'm wrong on that number. That's from last week. I'm trying to remember, but what a fast car. I mean, now the look of it, I mean, if, if you ignore the sound, I mean, it's, it looks like a great race car. And, it you know, it's got that Porsche look because it's not real long. It's kind of a short car, wide wheelbase. The curves sort of mimic, you know, the Porsche look. But it's got, you know, that real racy look to it, too. You know, lots of under effects and so forth. But they are breaking away from the the Porsche look with the headlights, even though it's still the four uh, beams. They're not they're not round anymore. They're going with this kind of line shape, I guess, trying to get a more futuristic look. The whole front end looks really awesome. Like it it it, it kind of has that like mean look to it. Like I'm, I'm coming to get you. Yep. All right. I know that Mike is going to try this next one. What do you think about this next video, Mike? Yeah, you know, I'm always wanting to jump a car and see if I can land it and keep rolling. And and I've tried it at a variety of tracks. I mean, Bathurst and I is one of them. Uh, there's some others, but this is Charlotte, the road course. And uh, we have a guy on Twitter, Aaron Brown. He tweeted a video of the NASCAR next gen car hitting the Turn One Turtles at the Charlotte Roval. And as a result, it takes flight barrel rolls, and he actually lands it on all four and continues on rolling. So it's a pretty impressive uh, jump. He clears the wall completely at turn one, that famous wall that you know Chase Elliott would piled into. Uh, by hitting those turtles, it just launched the car, and he hit them only on the left side, which kicked that left side up, made the car barrel roll as it went through the air and, and sure enough, uh, hit, hit it on the tire. So yeah, I do, I haven't tried it yet, but I do want to recreate this. Well, we'll be there in a couple weeks. I just start writing this fun stuff down because after we go today, I won't remember it. I need to write this stuff down. So we are at Charlotte in a couple weeks and give this a go during one of the practice sessions, see how it goes. Hopefully I don't land on nobody on the other side. Well, hey, you Go ahead, go ahead, Tony. I was gonna say, you remember when when they first released the Roval? Um, like all of us jumped on, and that was like one of the first things we were trying to do is to see if we could get up over that wall. But I believe that was before. I believe that was before the turtles. It was, yeah. Yeah, so it was practically impossible. I know we we gave her hell for for a while trying to get it to happen, but you could. You could run straight into it head on, and um, and sometimes it would just kind of kick the rear end up and kind of flip over. I think I landed inside the wall one time, like in between the two walls. Yeah, so maybe I, that's how we were doing it. <clears throat> yeah, so obviously physics goes wrong here after a little bit after he takes flight. But I wonder if do you ever think NASCAR sits back, watches these videos, and thinks, "Holy crap! If Kyle Larson goes in here and misjudges his braking zone, is he going to land on the other side?" No, because this guy is not breaking at all. Now, what would have to happen is somebody's brakes would have to fail before they get a, get into turn one. I think they I mean, ruled that a non-brake failure. That was. A, I mean, it's a high-speed jump, like you said, and I mean he's going 150, 200 feet, easy distance. I mean, it's a long distance jump. But there's no lift. All right, we always love talking about uh, our 
iRacers making it into the real world. And here's another one. Uh, Raja has posted a tweet uh, teasing an Xfinity banner with, with an Xfinity car and an iRacing paint job. So the question is, is he going Xfinity racing? And if so, with who? Yeah, I thought that was fun. Um, he's already raced Xfinity earlier this year with Prime or Alpha Prime. I believe that's who it is, the 44-45 cars. So I'm assuming that's who it'd be with, unless this is a tease for next year. But I can't see iRacing flipping a bill for a whole season of Xfinity racing. But it'd probably be a couple one-offs with the, with Prime, Alpha Prime. Yeah, no, just a tease. We haven't really heard any concrete news beyond that. But uh, yeah, it looks like iRacing is the... Uh, you know, the primary sponsor on the hood. That would be a really big bill. I know they they sponsor a lot of short track cars. Um, and I've, I've seen, I remember last year seeing an iRacing car at Nashville in the Xfinity series. Yeah, I believe um, they did the truck with uh, Chase Elliott a couple years ago. I can't recall the Xfinity car, but I'm assuming it would have to be one of the iRacing ambassadors. Maybe Alfredo. It wasn't him, was it? I don't think so. That'd be cool. Nice little die cast to pick up. I'm sure they'll release that one in the 164 size. Ooh. All right. Next up, Mike, we got the Delara and the newly scanned Indy Oval. And we didn't get Indy this week, did we? Yeah, we got a rescanned Indy. We got the Oval. Yep. So uh, yep. we got a video here on Instagram showing off that newly scanned Oval with the Delara. Um, you know, I look. I watched the video. I really couldn't tell the difference in the rescan from if I'm looking at the old track or the new track, to be honest. I don't yeah, even I, remember the last time they paved it. Yeah, I think this was just a part when they redid the inner infield. Um, they just did this to update it, essentially. So I, I didn't see much different either, difference either. I haven't ran it yet in this car to see if I can feel anything different, but new is new. I want to see the next-gen car at this, at this track. They need to get off that road course. I need the damn schedule. I'm hoping the schedule for next year, they're going to surprise us with some things and bring us back to the Oval. Even though when the Oval was dying, people were bitching and complaining about the Oval. But it's time to go back. We need to see the new car, like you said. Oh, one more thing is um, it's unknown, or I don't know. What about the little dirt Oval inside the big Indy Oval? Is that a thing that with we haven't seen anything talked about in the release notes about that or anything so i still don't think that's been released even though we know it's been scanned because we saw at one point uh one of the original scans of the track and you could see that they had scanned that small oval over in the corner yeah i'm sure it's coming they don't want to give you everything at once um They'll, they'll, they'll give you things as, as we go. Probably maybe next season's build, season one of 2023. You certainly wouldn't have to worry about uh, all the extra artwork that goes into all the scenery because that's already there from the from the other scans. So uh, Right, I, all the surrounding is already done, right? So, I mean, it should be pretty easy, you would think. It's probably just a matter of the testing of the actual configuration. That and it might be a... A separate track in its own so we might have to pay for that one i don't know how that's going to work maybe we won't well this one definitely is a separate track and it's a dirt track we have a video from lucas oil speedway donnie yeah so iRacing posted um they've been posting their videos all week with build week and um, this one is lucas oil speedway um, this is their dirt track and it's uh, making its debut this season i i got confused with this one earlier on with being irp 
for the asphalt side, but com apparently it's completely different. So another another dirt track for the dirt guys. And like we keep mentioning, service is growing. People are getting more tracks. Yeah. The dirt guys for a long time were always saying, where's the love? Well, there's lots of love here. But uh, yeah, the naming convention, We I think we talked about that before, but, you know, two different racetracks called by Lucas Oil Speedway and there's Lucas Oil Raceway. And I think the raceway is the pavement one. All right, we just keep doing a bunch of quick hits here on on Build Week, and what we have next is the 2024 Season 4 PDF schedule. Um, this is a whole lot of detailed spreadsheet kind of thing. It's like over 100 pages. Uh, I took a look at the table of contents, and the biggest probably notable thing is that the 24-hour fake series that they used to get around the someplace in France problem is back to six hours. So the, those will be normal uh, six-hour endurance races and going. You can go back to Class A. Any other changes or, or new series, I don't particularly recall. Yeah, so this was one of my most um, favorite things to look forward to each season was getting the new schedule so I could plug in all my dates and spreadsheets and all the series I was running. There was times I'd run five, six season, or series per season before I started um, mainly focusing on what I focus on now. But, but yeah, this is always exciting. People always ask for this early, and it never comes early. It always comes this week. Um, but, yeah, it's out, and uh, it's for everybody to start pillaging and see if they're going to run. I'm sure it's a lot of work to try, try to compile it, you know, and because they're asking for, you know, input from the community and they got to get that and somehow put it in. And yeah, it's probably a lot of work. Well, based on the spreadsheet, it looks like it's directly exported out of the software or directly imported. Because when you're looking at the dynamic weather, dynamic sky, yada, yada, yada stuff, all of that's usually included in on the website. It's right there on the spreadsheet, too. So, um, they probably have to have it all plugged in ready for the next season or vice versa to use. I bet you this spreadsheet's coming from the iRacing software as a, as a data dump. Yeah, I'll be taking a look at this tonight. I know I, I mentioned, well, I don't think I mentioned on here, but I'll be running super late models next season. And I think I'm pretty sure, I think I know where they're going for the majority of the races based on the forum post, but I see if I have to pick up any tracks or not. I plan on continuing with the F2000 series um, and the Skippy if I own the tracks. I'm not necessarily buying tracks to run those series, but uh, that's kind of that's what I've been doing this season. So I'll continue that. I think I've, I have finally found a P1 uh, prototype one partner to run some of the prototype series. Though I can't I can't run many Saturdays in October because. Uh, got marching festivals uh but i'll be focusing on that maybe a little bit of imza though i think i just don't like the gt3 and imza anymore i really miss the gte car uh and then obviously the cup car and that that's that will be my primary focus for most of season four yeah mike if you run this in the in the winter time the usf 2000 car i'll be running that as well not this season but the next season going forward but for you for this season it looks like they're running lanier and uh, gateways are ovals. So they're two ovals. So Lanier should be a good one for you. Yeah. Gateway, I think I've done that, and it was follow the leader, I think. Oh, boy. Have you watched this next one, this extremely hard lick? Oh, that that's crazy. It's And it, the guy who posted it, his uh, Twitter handle, is do it for Dale. Now, uh, how do you describe this, you know, to our audio listeners? 
Now, well, it looks like he was trying to recreate the same jump. Yeah, the jump over the with the turtles at Charlotte Turn One, but he didn't quite hit it right, and the car went up into you know a spiral up into the air. But then what happens is it like hits some kind of invisible launcher that's up in the air and launched him ninety degrees across the track, way over into the stands, uh, clear across the track, like horizontally uh launched him that's the craziest thing that is pretty wild it looks like that the porsche has a splitter whereas the next gen doesn't it has a little bit of clearance on the front so maybe that's why he was able to get up and over it where this guy looks like he hit the splitter and that that propelled him right into the wall well another thing he did wrong is is he he went straight across the curves instead of only hitting the left side yeah but uh yeah i'm curious what he hits up in this uh this net code about 200 feet above the track and then shoot them out the south park creators team america that and went uh you know total marionette on that car that's kind of what it looked like it's like an it's it's like thanos just reached out and swatted it (laughs) kind of wonder if he's gonna get a like a, a time penalty for cutting the track or did he go backwards in time the question is will the time be longer than the repair bill now We've seen launchers before, but they've always been on the track or on the surface. This launcher is like up in the air, like, you know, 70 feet up. And he found it somehow. Uh, You know, that might be something I need to recreate, too. Like, can I jump my car and hit that same spot that he hit and launch like he did? Yep. Add it to the list. You might have to be in this car, maybe, or something as light. You almost need a subreddit or something for this kind of stuff where where you see how many people can reproduce it or a sub forum. Now, then it'd get flooded with, am I at fault for this or is this guy at fault? Ew. Now, I'll point out, Donnie, the easiest launcher to try is pull off to the pit road at Talladega and take the first left you see into the infield. And if you go slow enough, like at five mile an hour, the car will dip down and launch, and it goes straight up in the air, hundreds and hundreds of feet. So where does it take you? Just, do you end up uh, getting towed back to the pits? Sometimes, or sometimes it'll come down right in the track. So like if you're in a practice or a race or something, some, some cars will be driving by, and you'll just fly down right from the sky right in front of them. Sounds fun. I think the craziest one I've ever been in is when I found like a, a black hole inside one of the walls where the car just stopped. There's some stuff at Monza like that if you where you're going 220 and you can hit the wall just right and it'll go from 220 to zero in in zero seconds. How would that affect you, VR runners? Would that would that affect you at all? Um, only if you get motion sickness, I guess, or or something from like that. I mean, uh, one of the funniest things to do in the VR is actually if you just gun it towards a wall, you can feel your body thinking oh oh shit i'm about to hit a wall and it it, it, i've gotten kind of almost numb to it now remember the first few times i did that like say the end of a montreal race where you can just go ahead and gun it straight instead of taking the left turn um uh it's a it's a funny experience to actually see that wall come at you in 3d keeping on the new content we have rudskogen motor center and is that really spelled with an s that must be the german spelling it's like norwegian isn't it yes that's correct i was listening to um the download 
today and they were i didn't quite get through all of it but um the way they're describing this track it looks really good and i can't believe i'm saying that about a road course but um just from the the one screenshot that we got here yeah it looks it looks really really cool it's a lot more mountainous i mean the 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 image the thumbnail on the on the youtube video on the on our website you 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 basically see where they've cut the road into a mountain and blasted out a lot a lot of the side there well they were citing like uh there's a lot of elevation changes in this course, which would make it really interesting to run. But um, they were particularly talking about the first turn. I guess I don't know if it's like super tricky or crazy or what the deal is there. But um, there was a there was a bit of talk about that. Yeah, where it was a bad first turn design, and they put out hay bales and cones to modify the turn. Yeah, we talked about that a little bit before you came on, Tony. Uh, but yeah, this is that track. What I like about it is. Like like David said, it if you've ever driven on a highway where the highway's flat, but they've cut it into the mountain, so to speak, so there's rock mountains on either side of the road. I mean, you see a lot of that here, and it really gives it some depth. Uh, when I watch the onboard, not really looking at the track, but looking around the track, like what are the surroundings? Man, the trees look great. The, the rocks and the hills look great. Man, it just looks great almost want to grab the formula v and go in this one because it goes a little slower you can kind of take it all in as you're going around i think they were saying on their their show that it's really for like gt4s you know it's perfect for for those kind of cars so you wouldn't take your your f1 on it you like f1 at lime rock lime rock right <laughs> lime rock in when you when uh imsa would go there it was pretty or actually i think one time they actually took ESS there to Lime Rock, and it's ridiculous because it's a short track, and, and having P1s and GTs in there. Actually, no, it was just IMSA. Even just the P, P2s and the GTs at that tight of a track was insane. And in fact, the real IMSA doesn't take prototypes to Lime Rock. They only take the GT3s and what used to be the GTEs when, when they went. Well, we're constantly talking about the crossover. It could almost be a theme these days, but sim racing is affecting real racing. And we have a tweet from North Wilkesboro Speedway. And uh, Mike, I bet you got to be excited about this one. Yeah, I think we were pretty excited in the chat. Um, NASCAR and North Wilkesboro and uh, SMI all announced, hey, we're going to move the all-star race from Texas to North Wilkesboro for 2023. This so is gonna... awesome. <laughs> and I think what I said in the chat is, I mean, this, I, you know, in this scenario, this, this wouldn't be happening if Dale Jr. didn't want to scan this track for iRacing. I mean, that's what led to this. Well, do we have it on the script that he, Dale actually has a video talking about this whole, this whole process now? I don't know if it includes this because the video was already produced and this was just announced today, but he's got a video talking about the, the, the cleaning the track all the way to races coming, coming back to there. So. Yeah. I remember listening back. Uh, it was a couple, two, three years ago to your show and, and his show and uh, just him detailing what exactly had to happen. It was a plane flight conversation. I believe he had with Myers and uh, he didn't have to beg him to go there, but he said, if I can get a team of people out there, I think it was volunteer work to clean the track and to keep the cost as low as possible to be able to scan the track. 
But a question for you guys, I joined NIS after this year's All-Star Race. Do we have a special event for the All-Star Race, or can you see them doing one for next year? Usually, NIS is off, and the A car would be be at Texas for, like, the A Open. Right. So they'll run the A Open, A Fixed at North Wilkesboro. So it'll happen, yeah. Okay, so what about in in preseason? We did have a, a Clash special event, right, at the Coliseum? Yeah, they're at a clash. Uh, All right, so they need to add a yeah. special event for this. Whatever format they run, I say we follow it with our special event, and that way we can run it as well. And still having the A, a and B. A and B will go there as well. So, I mean, this could be a little presumptuous, but um, quite possibly, like Dale Jr. and iRacing, um, looks like they have saved the all-star race. Or brought it back to life because has it has it meant anything for the it last twenty years? Texas, yeah. No, it well, died at Charlotte. The only thing I remember cool about the All Star races back in the day were the new paint schemes. You because your driver ran the same paint scheme every race all year, but for that All Star race, you might get something different. Um, but even growing up, I don't remember the the All Star races being exciting in the in the nineties and into the two thousands. Other than paint schemes, like I mentioned. Well, it's, it's just it just got so bad they had to come up with with rules that required a, a physics degree to uh, figure out where everybody was supposed to be at the end of the race. This year was particularly terrible. Their their um their plan. Oh yeah, remember the underglow lights that made no sense. <laughs> we had shifted numbers then too, but this will be good. This will be um, you know, I heard somebody say it today on a podcast. I don't know what I was listening to, but. You know, being for the for the locals, the locals help bring this as well. I hope they don't outprice the market to where locals aren't showing up. It's gonna, cause I, I guess like for that field of dreams for baseball, the ticket prices were super expensive. So I hope that doesn't happen here, and you're just gonna get a bunch of out of towners that are super rich that can fly and make it happen. So it'd be nice to see a crowd full of, of local people. Granted, they're not gonna make as much money, but who knows. Well, another part of the discussion we've been having is uh, how many stands should they build up? Because Bristol, you know, used to be so exclusive. You were on a waiting list. And the last time I went to Bristol, it was half full. Yeah, I heard it used to be 10 years long, the waiting list for Bristol. Well, I don't know if, if like, this is correct or anything, but I, I thought I heard, like, 20,000 would fit there. That's perfect. That's fine. That's all they need. Yeah, if that's if that's the case, I I wouldn't say you would need much more than that because yeah, you want that like Bristol aspect to it, right? Have people wanting. Yeah, I think they had eighteen thousand last Wednesday night for that late model race. Junior was in. Okay, so then yeah, twenty twenty thousand was would be about right then. All right, well we've hit a lot of them, but let's go ahead and jump into the twenty twenty two season four release notes. I'm just going to spit out the first few of the highlights. We've already talked about the Porsche Mission R. Uh, we've talked about Lucas Oil. We've talked about Orschelin or Orschleiben, uh, Roscogen. Um, there's some stuff in the UI, and um, I'm going to let Donnie talk to this because he's the he's the one of us who's who's not uh, stuck in our ways and will only use the website. You know, you know. After this update, I was like, maybe I'm going back to the website, but um, it just looks different. All the the text and the letters are bigger. Um, the race guide f- seems the same. Um, you got the AI. I know Tony Rochette, teammate, he's been running some AI races with the next gen car. And you get guided tours pop back up again for this new build. And uh, you can, you know, read some script about that to help you guide yourself through the UI. But right now I'm a little annoyed 
because the window, it's in the normal size window that pops up from my, my UI, but all the letters are huge compared to what they were. So I got to get adjusted to that. But, um, and the updates didn't work through the UI again this time. I had to go through the website. But other than that, looks like the ARCA car was a disappointment for a lot of folks. Everybody thought we were getting a new ARCA car. But I think if we really read what they said, this is what we got. It was just an update on some of the graphic designs for the inside and some stickers for the outside. So artwork, what, what it says there. But I think people were led, not led to believe, but I think they ran with their own minds and thought we were getting a, a new ARCA car. Well, new artwork. So it means a new paint. So you're probably going to have to update your paint for the Lotus 79 and the Arca. Yeah, so that was the thing. So uh, I guess inside the interior looks a lot better than the Arca car did a couple days ago. Uh, but yeah, everybody's got to come up with new paints. Yeah, Indianapolis, we talked about that. Um, new energy-based damage system update. And so my understanding is that like if you hit the wall repeatedly with the right front, it realizes that overall you're making it worse and worse, and then it reacts accordingly. Low frequency know. effects, uh, so LFE, extensive updates to the sound. Now, I want to talk about this a little bit, David, because after the build, I got in the car and all my sound was jacked. I mean, my LFE was basically overloading and clipping. And so I basically just had to turn it down and off uh, for the race. To, before today's race, I spent about 10 or 15 minutes trying to balance the sounds. I basically scrapped all my sound settings in the sim and started them over at zero and just kind of adjusted from there. Um, it's still not where I like it. I think what I'm going to try is separating the my sub from the main uh, with a sound card um, to see if I can manage them separately because it's just not work. It's way different than it was before, and I can't really figure out what they've yeah. done. Do your triples have their own um, audio outs, like a little headphone jack in the back of them? Yep. You can use that and run that directly to your USB and so, not have to get a sub. Okay. Or that's run a great it. idea. Because that's what I do, because I don't have a sound card, but I have my LFE pointed to one of those monitors, and it's just getting it through the monitor cable, the sound channel on the the display cable, right, or HDMI cable, and it's going straight to it. And that does separate it, which helps, because uh, like, like I pump music through my headphones as well, and I like the fact that that's not getting picked up on the subwoofer, even though it's kind of cool to have that bass kicking, but... Um, it's it's a lot more handy, but yeah, they did jack up a lot of the balances. There's a couple of new settings that didn't exist before. I don't remember road texture being a thing before, and that was that was a completely new setting on there. Tony described it as feeling like he was driving on gravel, and I think it was because of that setting. It was just picking up the road texture too much. I went in and, and turned everything down, and turned wheel slip up, and and then turned the balance the overall volume up because I just felt like I wasn't getting that number one data data point that I want of knowing how hard I'm pushing the tires, which is pretty important at Kansas where we're in this week. Um, fortunately, since we were at Kansas and hadn't didn't have a bunch of AOVs to run, I did a hundred laps of testing yesterday and noticed this before I got into the race. But yeah, it's it's definitely required some adjustment. Yeah, looking at That's the show. Looking at the show notes, there are a ton of notes for this release. 
So anybody out there curious, just go to the forums, look up the show notes and read through them. There's a lot of good stuff in here. A lot of stuff we've already known about that they look like they just added to these ones to, as reminders, but yeah, a lot of stuff for this build. Well, not a lot of stuff, but a lot of little stuff was added to this build. They, oh, they did AI. some updates to qualification, road course driving aids, um, the damage model, I guess, for the the Porsche Mission R has the new damage mar, uh, model. I'm so, Yeah, and um, you, did, you were about to mention the AI, Mike? Well, for next gen. I mean, finally. I mean, Tony Rochette's been screaming this ever since we got the car. But I really feel like it's going to change what I do on a weekly basis, uh, having the next-gen AI. My flow is Tuesday night uh, practice a little bit. Uh, so this Tuesday night, I uh, you know load up my set, I get out on track, I run usually 20 laps, and I park it. When I, when I get in that practice at that time of night, which is 9 p.m. Pacific, roughly, uh there's two or three people in the room i mean if there's no nobody in the room i'm out there running by myself as you all know i don't feel like i gain much from practice besides just seeing what the set's doing but and i think going forward i'm not going to do that i'm going to open up ai and i'm going to run some ai practice race where i'm around 40 other cars you know in race conditions and see what it does you know i think it's going to be much better use of my time i just don't know i mean i haven't tried it but i just don't know how much value i can gain about seeing how my fall off is compared to my the other guys i usually compete with which is why i'll, I'll always be a strong advocate of run that a open on tuesday right now they also got ai for the gte cars and a couple other as well as a lot of tracks yeah, it looks like they focus big on AI for this release. A lot of stuff. So I also want to back up to the UI. I haven't looked at it, but race guide. You know, this is something that we've always said was key on the member site that the UI didn't have. And and a lot of people would migrate probably if they had it. Well, they got it, apparently. Now, I haven't looked at it to see how good it is, but this is the thing that's kind of a you know, uh, a grid timeline, a timeline grid with a grid going down of the races. Um, so it's left to right, you know, is the hours and the half hours and then going up and down are the, the races that you're, you can run. And so it's real easy to scroll through that and see, Hey, what's available in the next few minutes that I can run what's coming up in the, you know, 30 minutes from now that I might be interested in. And so that's what the race guide is. So I'll have to uh, check it out um, and see what they did. I'm just scrolling through it now. I can't see anything different that I normally use on it. Um, so for the race guide for myself, I just, I click the five or six series that I like to run and that's all I see. I don't see all the other ones. Um, I can go back in there and add those to the list. Um, my spe um, favored list, I guess is what it's called, but yeah, I'm not seeing anything that's jumping out at me that's different. They just need to come up with some kind of macro system that says, I want to register for the NAS race and click that and boom, instead of having seven clicks to get into that series. I was uh, right, glancing I down at the are. rest of the notes. I, did, I do want to mention, um, I, I wasn't wrong now that I got down into the LFE stuff. They actually added a lot of different sounds, which is probably what's causing, causing it to get, get uh, 
fluttered up. Uh, everything from starter engine blowout, rocks, backfires, uh, the pit speed limiter effect as well is new, and also road noise. The road noise was the one I noticed when I was fixing the the balances. Yeah, and there's a check mark there, uh, minus 10 dB cut. It says, some amps have a limiter or the input signal that causes distortion. A new LFE option to add the 10 dB cut is now available that reduces the input signal below the amp cutoff. If you're using a butt kicker or feel like some effects are being lost, then enable this. Now, when mine was clipping, this is the first thing I, I did, and it stopped the clipping. And so um, if you're seeing distortion, try this check mark. It's hard to pick up distortion when you're doing doing something that's already such a low frequency. So I, I'm glad you mentioned that because I need to do that because, yeah, I'm using the butt kicker. So that may help with some of the resolution as well. Anything else you want to hit on the release notes or are we ready to move on? No, I think we kind of covered everything, but it uh, seems like a, a good build. I guess let me ask you, what are you disappointed about? I mean, I was kind of thinking we were getting active reset. You know, pick two points and easily go uh, and practice between the two points. And then, you know, we've been talking rain, 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 rain. There's no rain. They didn't. If, it, if rain was coming out, they would have been dropping a lot more hints than have been released. So obviously it's just uh, that one's going to need more time. I'm a little surprised with the active reset, but it's also not something I had my heart set on you know if i wanted to really see something fixed i'd love for them to do something about not making a penalty car have to to wait on a car that just came out of the pits when you're when you're coming to green and causing constantly causing people to get bum black black flags that they shouldn't get i would be more excited to see something like that yeah i wasn't disappointed in not getting anything i didn't think of the rain or the active reset until you just brought it up uh but uh, it's coming i mean it's a long haul hobby. We're going to get it eventually. They just want to dial that rain in to make sure it's perfect. They don't want to release a, a a dumpster, dumpster fire of a of a program. So they want to make sure it's perfect before it comes out. Will we have it for the Daytona Twenty Four? I'm I'm going to go out on a limb and say maybe. Twelve <laughs> over twelve weeks to go, so possibly. All right. Well, that covers that. Let's hit some events or events, events, events. We got the E NASCAR College I Racing Series, which is returning with a prize pool of up to sixty thousand in scholarships. Yeah, it looks like they'll have a fall twenty two twenty two schedule. Uh, Miami Homestead September twentieth, Auto Club October eighteenth, Charlotte Road Course November eighth, and Nashville Super Speedway November twenty ninth. And it looks like it's all powered by NACE Star League. Have you guys ever heard of that? No. But that's probably good. That's some kind of sponsor or something, right? Yeah, I mean, they have Coca-Cola, Logitech, Xfinity, PlaySeat uh, as sponsors on this page here. Yeah, go to iRacing.com. Then you can register and, and sign up there. So you got to, I guess, get in through Time Attack, or is it all Time Attack? It's time attack and races, so I don't know if you qualify through time attack or that's just a sub-event of the event, but... You probably have to set the highest times and they take a certain number. It says the top 40 eligible drivers in four separate time attacks will qualify to represent their universities in four races over the three-month span. So you got to do the time attack first and get in the top 40, I guess. 
So the time attack is basically a qualifying, except I guess it's um, not qualifying laps. You can basically run however many laps you want to find the optimal time. The Homestead uh, a time attack is already open and runs through September 15th. And we have one more event coming up, and that's the 2022 uh, Bothurst 1000. Uh, that is going to be at Mount Panorama. It's in the supercars. There's two of them, right? The Ford and the, not the Ford. What do they call it? Commodore. Yeah. The, it's a Mustang. Oh, it's the, it's the, it's the Holden instead of, instead of a Chevy, right? Yeah. So it's got the Ford and the Holden. Um, got a, It's going to be 161 laps, basically, which I guess comes out to a thousand kilometers probably qualifying of eight minutes which is attached uh it is a team event gotta have at least two drivers you can have up to 16 field size is 30 and it's the standard for start times that all of them the the major special events have been having i wish i could enjoy this track maybe i'll i'll pick it up and just just give it a go on other services it's a nightmare for me when you're at the top of the hill and coming back down um i there's no way a thousand kilometers you're getting out of me um, but it looks fun. I, it's something I like the North Shore. If I got to just do it and get it over with and just start learning it, why not? It's not as hard to learn as North Shore, but it is hard in these cars. It is really hard in these cars compared. I've done it in the GT3 and it's not, not nearly as bad. The hard, the hardest part for me is coming down the hill. Cause if you just, it's unforgiving, you miss and you're done. You hit a wall. You don't, you don't, uh, you don't hit a little grass and be able to get it back and going. It's a street course in the country. So not this weekend, but next weekend. Um, is that right? Yes. Yeah, the 16th or the 18th. Yeah. There's a new set of pedals entering the market and they look promising. Simcoaches is finally releasing a set of load cell pedals. They've taken their years of knowledge building pedals and created a set of load cell pedals at an affordable cost. No longer worry about not being able to fill the car under your feet or wondering where the limit is. Have confidence as you enter corners and know the car is going to stick. There's no higher quality pedals on the market. They're even offering their lifetime warranty with the pedals. Take the leap and upgrade to Simcoaches today. Go to simcoaches.com to pre-order your set of load cell pedals and say big when you do. Use promo code iRacers Lounge. You won't regret it. Podcast housekeeping. Well, I want to talk about Apple Podcasts real quick. Uh, as you may or may not know, our show didn't show up Thursday night on Apple but showed up in the 60 to 70 other places out on the internet where you can get a podcast. Um, it's amazing how podcasting works. Uh, basically, uh, you, we use SoundCloud as a host, so that's where we host our file. They create what's called an RSS feed, and then that feed is picked up organically by these 60 to 70 podcast platforms. and and that's how the podcast gets distributed and uh our biggest distribution point is apple uh our biggest one and uh, they failed somehow uh to distribute our podcast uh thursday night by friday i figured out how to contact them and start a ticket um 
I heard from them on Tuesday morning that our podcast had been corrected and, and it's up for, you know, listening pleasure at this point. So after the long four day weekend uh, they had at Apple, uh, they took care of us. But uh, I just want to give a good shout out to everyone else out there, all the other platforms, Spotify, SoundCloud, you know, Spreaker, Amazon, Google, all these places, uh, they get it done every time. We've rarely had issues on this show over the years. When we have, it's always, always been Apple. Yeah, I listen through Spotify, no issues on, on my end. So I'm an Apple fanboy, as you guys probably know, um, but not when it comes to their podcast stuff. <laughs> but uh, it would be great if they had a little faster response than uh, over the holiday weekend. I know it was Labor Day, and they probably took the Monday off, and that's why I didn't hear from them until Tuesday. But, but man, I mean, I, I contacted them, you know, Friday afternoon, didn't hear till Tuesday. Anyway, it'd be interesting to see how it affects our numbers. Uh, I haven't looked yet, but probably will tonight. Uh, I expect our numbers for the week to be cut in half. Uh, I think that people that normally digest it on Apple, if they didn't see it when they normally would see it on a Friday morning, they probably skipped the week would be my guess. So wait, don't forget the website, iRacersLounge.com, our Discord. I still am trying to fix the permanent link thing. Uh, we haven't uh, figured that out yet, but I'm working on it. We're also in rotation at the Performance Motorsports Network and the Sim Racing Channel on Roku TV. All right, I don't see our stats on the script, but Tony, are you able to give us a little bit of an update on fantasy? Yeah, I'm just uh, I'm pulling everything up right now. Okay. And uh, we'll see where we sit. Um, I do know that because, you know, thankful for, um, you know, cars blowing up and, and stuff happening. I know I actually did not too bad, but that was just because of shenanigans. Are, are you D-Train 89 or are you TG1 racing? TG1. Is Rochette the D-Train 89? No, that is uh, nobody on our team. So... The highest one on our team looks like it was Tyler in sixth. And then Donnie, you got 10th. Tony, 12th. Bobby Jonas, 15th. Greg was 16th. Smiling Ninja, 19th. Steve Llewellyn, 21st. Tony's Tifosi the Tiger, 28th. There's Brian, 35th. And there I am, 38th. Dead last. At some point, you're going to have to get uh, Kurt Busch off your list, Mike. I, I did, but it's still not working. Damn. I had Michael McDowell in my garage for that third that third uh, stage. I don't remember how he finished. Maybe not. But I had um, I had, a, I had Kyle Busch on there. That's, he was doing pretty well. I was up there pretty high towards the end until he blew up. Yeah, there's not even much that I can really talk. I didn't even get to be able to watch the race. I was um, able to kind of keep track enough that, you know, to, to make a, a swap out. Um, it was a real tire burner. <laughs> yeah, so I heard. I did catch up on the highlights. Um, it was a good man, race. Did, did you guys find it better than the Coke 600? Because everybody's saying this is the best race of the year so far. I still think the Coke 600 was... 
that was a race I didn't want it to end. It was it was one of those like good movies that was just awesome, and you're like, ah, shit, it's got to end sometime. But the Coke Center for me was awesome. This is probably number two. This is a good race. I just like the fact that uh, the 43 won. Um, I was really hoping to see him uh, put one in the winner's circle this year. It was nice. It was a straight-up win, too. It wasn't a, well, Kyle Busch breaking kind of helped him, but it wasn't like a gift. He didn't, quote-unquote, back into that one. It was, a, it was a race he won, so it was nice to see. Well, if you're not staying close, you're not there to take advantage of it when it happens. So um, that's what you that's what you sometimes have to do to get that win is just be in there, there in contention and have a little bit of luck going your side, but instead of a lot. Yeah, I enjoyed it. It was uh, definitely a makeup from the last week's race. But um, Kansas this week, uh, we'll see how it goes with this new car. It sounds like it could be. They've been doing well in the mile and a half this year, so hopefully this weekend's good. I actually remember um, as like the, how the Xfinity race w- went. One of my very first wins in NIS on the fixed side was at Martinsville, and I was running third, and the leaders wrecked. And that was one of my earliest ever NIS wins. Did you puke after? Um, no, I don't really get the motion sickness thing. So, no. do you think that kid in the that Gregson has a problem? Because I guess he he puked again this week, and I'm starting to think it's the tire smoke when they do burnouts. But he seems to have a problem with every race he finishes. I was saying he's uh, he's a genuine redneck. I mean, the way he uh, goes around bare chested, you know, and he takes his suit off. It's a, it's a gimmick. Somebody told him to look up Tim Richmond and he did. He's from Las Vegas. He can, he can't be that much redneck. <laughs> There's rednecks in every state. There is actually, but, um, being from the South, I can, dec- I can claim authentic redneckticity. Yeah. Well, my brother moved out to your state and he's been talking like he's been from the South since the eighties. So but he's, a, if, he's in Arkansas. Yeah. He's in Mina. Oh, wow. I don't even know where that town is. <laughs> Come up to my part of Canada. I'll introduce you to some rednecks. They'll do you proud. Mina's that town that air that airplane crashed down with all the cocaine. There was a movie about it with Tom Cruise not too long ago. Now, if it's I don't if it's not north or central, I I don't know most of the southern towns other than Texarkana. I'm just never down there. <laughs> Will this computer run iRacing? Not now. Time to pick up the hardware software. Uh, Are you looking for the next sim racing rig upgrade? Or maybe your man cave needs a little bit more style? Or is your wife, don't have a problem there, wanting to redecorate your home? Well, we here at Supreme 3D Printing have you covered. We'll create and print tons of different and useful items that is sure to fit everyone's style and budget. If you don't see what you're needing, then feel free to contact us for your uh, needed item. Check us out at Etsy um, at Etsy.com slash shop slash Supreme 3D Printing. And our first item, or go ahead. You I was going to say, uh, Kyle, yeah, Kyle from Supreme 3D Printing was telling us today uh, he's working on a new product that he's going to offer on the Etsy shop, a new shift knob for the Thrustmaster TH8A. Um, so, or, uh, if you have one of the Logitech shifters or Fanatec shifters, he's gonna he's got a pretty cool looking, uh, knob here. It's all red and, um, I presume plastic is what he's printing. 
Yeah, my 3D, um, my field markers that we're using, um, plus the fact that my conference hour is sixth hour and I have a a bunch of seniors who come in, we've actually been going down and just marking everybody's spots with those field markers and uh, before we even have rehearsal. And we're getting things done so much faster with, with a combination of the schedule and having those markers. It's been handy. All right, we'll hit it up with the first item, which we're talking about shifters, is a, the Sim Magic Q1-S sequential shifter. Um, it's actually coming out of the Rigmatech store, and it looks like it's running two eighty nine, and you can get uh, you can go forty dollars if you want the longer handle. Yeah, there's not too many. I've been looking at sequentials lately, but for for mid range, I think this would be my pick. Uh, it comes with the trigger, looks like uh, the analog trigger, but it's a nice shifter, looks clean, looks like it is a shifter. Uh, some of the the sequentials are kind of goofy looking, but um, but yeah, 330, I mean, depending on what the internals look like, not, not too crazy. You're, I don't think you're going to go too wrong with this. Uh, <laughs> I got the Simagic wheel, and I love it. The thing is beefy as hell. It don't move. Like there's no weird movements that shouldn't be there. Um, it's just a solid construction and it works and it's reliable. Um, and, and I've heard good things about their pedals. Uh, this is the first I've seen of the, the sequential shifter, but um, I, I, I don't think you can go too wrong with, with this company. Now, what does the trigger do? Maybe it gets you into reverse. I'm not sure. I made the mistake of looking up SimWorks's sequential shifter and pretty much fallen in love, and that had a that had a trigger on it as well. I mean, I would I was wondering to unlock it or yeah uh, or not. Um, one thing I was thinking of: we've seen when did we see Sim Magic come on? Has it been over a year now? It's been a, now? yeah, it's been a couple. Yeah, and if if there was issues with their products as far as customer support, we'd be hearing about it by now. So at this point, I think it's fair to fair enough to say that Sim Magic is a legitimate market uh, contender. Well, well, here's here's the beauty part about Sim Magic stuff. Like, um, they have um, like all, all their wherever they sell is usually like a dealer point. So like you, you do all your business through um, that person here. So like here in Canada, there's two, uh, two separate ones that I know of the ones that I deal with are on the, on the West coast. But if I have any issues with my wheel or anything, you know, I can just deal with them for all service needs. So you're not having to go through the, you know, the huge runaround and, um, you know, so there's a couple, you know, down in the States there. So everything's, you know, fairly local. So, you know, they're going to take care of you. I've heard a lot of really good, um, back and forth, um, with people that have had, uh, issues with their units and it doesn't usually, um, end in, you know, uh, sour posts. My only criticism of it is where the cable comes out, the USB. It's on the wrong side as far as I'm concerned. I mean, it, it it's not coming out the, I would say, the, the side closest to the monitor. It's coming out on the other side, the side closest to you. So I don't know. It just seems like an awkward place to put the cable. Right. In my Are you opinion. sure about that? Wouldn't the trigger coming be on your front. finger side? It's on, it's, on the, it's on the side that's pointing away from you. Because the trigger... Oh, you I see. So the trigger's on away from you? Yeah. Oh, okay. See, I have no idea what the trigger's for. 
I oh man, it might be reverse to to get it into reverse gear. I'm not sure. Other than that, yeah, I don't know what the triggers for. Okay, well then it makes sense. Okay. All right. Well, how about the NSIM Talento pedals? Have you had taken a good look at these, uh, Donnie? Yeah. So um, the Sim Pits YouTube channel posted a video of the NSIM's uh, new Talento pedals, and they're also offered by Rukmatech. And they look they're a load cell pedal design. Um, you can buy just the brake and the accelerator. You can buy the the clutch uh, separately as well. It comes with the looks like stainless steel. Uh, a heel plate with a steel um, pedal mount and it comes with various uh, uh, the load cell bushings that you would use to stiffen it up and it comes with some performance doesn't come with it sorry you can purchase uh, some performance uh, you can kind of see in the thumbnail kind of keeps you the the right side of your your foot on the throttle you could buy a couple of those plates as well but if you buy everything you're looking 900 probably 12 1300 bucks for this load cell kit and they're not hydraulic for that price. Negative, uh, just, um, yeah, load cell. And if you want to buy the performance kit, it's another 140 on top of that, not including tax. And Rukmatech's Florida, right? Strips out of Florida? Yeah, they're Florida. The, these pedals are European, though. Um, yeah, in We've seen too. reviews in the past few weeks on these, uh, a few of them. And, and I think the reviews we saw from then, I, from memory, they're quite adjustable, especially if you buy that performance kit with the all the different rubbers where you can try different uh, compounds and whatnot. I know from experience with the V3s, I think basically on the brake pedal, you want to literally make it as hard to push as you can. Yeah, I'm learning that now with these guys I got now. But uh, is this aluminum or is this like a stainless steel that they're constructed out of? Because they, they don't have that polished look to them. It's hard to tell. Yeah, it almost look like a steel material. Construction. Yeah, you aluminum doesn't usually have that kind of a grainy cut, does it? It's very grainy, except for the brace. The brace looks very polished. Well, the next one we've got. This is a little bit interesting. Um, I probably should send it to Mike because Mike, you generally have overheating issues with yourself. Well, this video has to do with with overheating of a direct drive wheel from Camus. Camus, right? Uh... Camus is that direct drive. I think it has the buttons on the front of it that we've talked about before. Kind of a Sim Magic clone. I think it's out of China as well. Um, this is one of the anyway, newer ones, right? Yeah. It's overheating, according to this poster from Sim Racing, Sim Racer Corner. And he took apart uh, his Camus base and he found that. They have a design where there's a, a heat sink that is basically laying over the top of these three chips. I don't know if they're what the chips are specifically. I think they said, he said they're MOSFET. MOSFETs, yeah. But yeah, and, and he's got that laying over the top of it. And what he found was that the, the heat sink thing wasn't really making contact with those and therefore the thing was overheating. So he did some modifications where he basically got thermal tape and, and put on top of the MOSFETs and put some more thermal tape um, underneath the, uh, the heat sink thing and, and basically got them where they were connected. Um, it was a pretty minor uh, fix. 
you know, obviously this might void your warranty, but it sounds like it's a design flaw uh, to begin with. And, and if you own one of these bases, you probably want to take a look at this because, you know, the last thing you want is your direct drive burning down your house. Yeah, I remember this one from a few weeks back. It had the buttons on the front plate of the, the direct drive uh, housing. And I thought this one looked a little like a almost toy grade quality, just from the look of the outside of it. Um, and the internals look a little like they could uh, be well, a little better. The heat sink design was questionable. <laughs> you know, when he opened it up and showed us, you know, what was the problem, it was pretty clear, you know, that it wasn't, you know, really thought out too well. All right. I know you got to try this one out, Donnie, didn't you, last week, actually in the shop. So tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, so it's a SimCoach's handbrake, um, a video posted uh, by them, just going over their handbrake. It's essentially one of their um, hydraulic pedals um, utilized in a handbrake form. And this one comes with the spring washers that you use for the brake, so it's pretty stiff. And But when you're using your arm and it's mounted right, it, it feels great. Uh, we're going to see a few more videos um, through SimCoach's throughout uh, the hardware section here. Uh, but what essentially he said is uh, through Discord is he's pumping out as many videos as he can right now. And he wants everybody to like, comment, you know, to try to get into the algorithm. But, but yeah, so uh, their handbrake's been out there. I think it's roughly $500 to $600 for, for the handbrake. It's, I mean, it's a lot for a handbrake, but you can't go wrong with it either. The feel's pretty awesome. It's adjustable just like the brake is. You can actually lay it down. Um, forward as it would uh, replicate a real handbrake in a, in a passenger car if you needed that. Um, but yeah, hydraulic handbrake, I don't see too many of them out there. So the ergonomic, though, to have all that hardware in front of the handle, I understand why it's there because he's pushing the rod into the hydraulic cylinder, and that's what's pre you know presenting the friction there. You're pulling. I, you know, I do that. You're pulling it. Oh, so you're pulling it out of it, right? No, you're you're pulling the handle towards you, so that hydraulic system would sit next to you, and the handle's in front of you, and you pull towards you, just like pulling the brake it towards you, right? Yeah, you're so pushing you're, into the right. master cylinder. You're compressing the cylinder when you pull. Right. I would just. I guess my point is what I'm trying to say is, you you see the hydraulic stuff. You see the little hose coming off the back that circles around to the slave cylinder, all that stuff, that hardware is right where I would put my arm. You know, it's just kind of like ergonomically right in the way. Like if, is there a different way you could design it where that stuff would be on the other side of the handle? Are you really a one-handed driver? No, but well, I don't want that stuff just right there against my leg. You know, There's a very easy fix to that. Just put a longer handle on it and you can drop that whole, uh, whole piece down lower. lower. Yep. That, yeah, or this, that handle's handle. already pretty long. Most handbrakes don't go that high up in the air, do they, in, in a set? Yeah, so my handbrake currently now is attached just to the right of my um, my wheelbase. It's right right here because uh, you don't when you're r driving rally, you're not reaching down for the handbrake. You're reaching up and in front of you, like up here, is where the handbrake typically is for those guys. So somehow you have to get it mounted up here. But then at that point, the hydraulics could get in the way and look kind of look kind of nasty being up that high, but yeah, you'd have to, if this is something you'd want, you'd have to consider that a factor and how you uh, incorporate it into your, to your build. Um, I don't think I'm a guy who's ever going to have a, a handbrake, you know, especially after I, I learned, you know, the, the pros 
in rally don't even use the handbrake um, to be fast. Uh, you, you know, you're not supposed to use it. But yeah, I don't. I just don't see myself getting one. But I've always been a huge fan of those Jinx handbrakes, uh, J I N X. Um, but yeah. All right. Well, the next one we've got. Uh, this one usually is kind of more up Mike's alley because it's another one of those really expensive. Um, Formula wheels, probably. There's a YouTube video showing how you can uh, integrate a Cube F Pro. So you want to tell us a little about that? Yeah, this is my fault. This is the Cube Controls F Pro. And this YouTube video by Theoloop basically shows um, the new SIM hub integration for the LED lighting. So recently, if you upgraded the to the beta version of sim hub you can create profiles for lighting uh for the new wheel and so he even provides a link to his profile that he shows off in the video so basically if you have this wheel you need to come get this video click on our or go to our script and click on the google drive link and grab that profile then in sim hub you can actually import the profile and so basically he does all the hard work for you and you don't have to program it so what does it do it provides functionality where if you do a certain thing like the button will flash instead of to stay uh, you know constantly on uh like a pit limiter or something or if you go to start the car the the lights will do different things if the car is on versus off and, and so just little things like that to make it, you know, more cool. Have you ran any uh, cars that needed all these buttons and knobs yet? Well, as I've gone through the open wheel cars, you know, I've, I've certainly have mapped as many buttons as I can for each car that I've done, but I really haven't gone higher up than the F2000. Um, uh, and so, no, I haven't used up all the buttons yet at all. I, in fact, all the, the push buttons, I, I just don't even use hardly at all. I think there's maybe two or three of them. Um, you got the brake bias, you know, turn thing. I use that, but you're, you're right. Most of them I don't touch. You will in an F1 car or a prototype that, that has all those settings that you're going to change because um, you got to actually have to change your engine map settings. Or even when I'm in the Indy car, I had one of, I had one of my knobs configured to, to move the weight jacker around. Um, and we even had it set up to, to do only four settings because you, you could get your best qual time. If you could swing your weight jacker right after the corner and then right. And then all the way back, uh, which you don't really do in race trim, but in qual just to get your best time, you would do that. Uh, but you have, a, you have two crack traction control settings that you can, you might change in the race. I've done that where I was actually changing traction control in different parts of tracks before. Uh, you've got, uh, different engine maps you can run, uh, your brake bias, uh, the boost, your regen settings. So if you get into some of the more electronic cars, it can definitely become a factor. Add to that all the buttons you might have programmed to control all your pit settings and stuff and having to have a button for chat and game and a button for chat on TeamSpeak. Yeah, that's been a factor for me deciding on which direction I want to go into. Um, I held the Gomez wheel a few weeks back and I thought like, man, this is way too much wheel because I pretty already have in my mind the Dolara 
what I'm going to need button wise and rotary rotary wise for that. But um, yeah, I don't know if I'll ever get to the the Formula One car to run it enough to need to need the wheel like this. But yeah, my my experience with the F1 wheel says I want as many buttons reachable as with my thumb as possible, because um, a lot of those extra buttons that are down deep kind of low on the bottom side of the wheel you have to take your hand off to reach and i hardly ever use those yeah notice that in real world the f1 cars they will take their hand off and they'll they'll turn the dials in the middle sometimes for whatever they gotta adjust whatever fuel map or engine mode they need to get into so i think i got the wheel be with because i want the capability of having what david describes you know be in the f1 car and map every single button i need to you know all the different things you need to run that car or one of the hybrids you know engine mapping and all that and 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 so i've jumped in the f1 car with this wheel and it's intimidating to go from zero to that you know all at once and so that's kind of the reason i'm kind of going up the ladder um slowly I want to start off with the simpler cars and 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 there's only very few buttons used and as i move up the ladder these things come more into play you know and you use more more things you have to manage during the race uh different buttons need to be mapped and different for more complex cars and so i wanted to be the one and done purchase you know i never want to buy a, a formula wheel again so that's really one of the reasons i picked it you know because of that all right, well, Donnie, you mentioned it, so go ahead and tell us about the next Sim Coaches video on the on the script. Yeah, Lawrence from Sim Coaches gives you a shop tour and an update of uh, some of their products they're working on. Uh, did you guys watch the video? And if you hadn't, they got little question marks on the two faces down here, and I thought this was super cool. But right now, they're working on uh, some pedals for RFK Racing. That's um, the six and the seventeen car. They essentially gave them a set of uh, Kozlowski and Chris Busher's pedals. So sim coaches can replicate their real pedals into a sim pedals, and then they're going to ship them back to um, to North Carolina where they where their shops at, and they're going to integrate them into their sim program. But they're so freaking cool, and they work opposite of what our brakes do. So we push in, I guess. For these pedals, they pull out. So when they hit the, the press the brake pedal, it the rod pulls out, pulling the cylinder outward or the inside of the cylinder outward. So super cool. Um, he showed you some their their monitor mounts. So for my setup, my triples, um, you can buy their side mounts and attach them to your rig, and then they'll, they'll be good for 27-inch monitors. And you can go in, I think I told them I'm at 30, 35 degrees. I can go in, <clears throat> and one of the arms actually articulates up and out, so you could actually get into your cockpit and then close the monitor behind you, and that way you're fully encapsulated. Not fully, but, you know, enough to where you have to move the monitor out of the way, but... He just gave an update on some of the real world stuff they're they're working on um, out of the shop. So that's the big I think, Donnie, I took away from the video was seeing, you know, these guys are busy. I mean, they're they're a company that's making money. They're not only doing sim hardware, but they're they're doing, you know, automotive specialty parts, you know, for for race cars and different things for real cars. Um, and it's neat to see all the different things that he's got kind of in the works, um, you know, like inverting, you know, the P1Xs. He's got a, a prototype where he shows off, you know, he's, how he plans on inverting them. 
Yeah, I think all the inverted kits come in this week or most of the materials come in. So you can buy the inverted kit when you purchase the pedals. But if you already own the pedals, you can, um, he says you can, you just have to buy the brackets for the hydraulics and be able to flip them upside down. And he says, if you do it carefully enough, you don't have to re-bleed them. Um, but I'm going out back October 10th. And he said, uh, he could bleed my pedals if he needs to, if we need to, so we invert them. Um, yeah, so they're coming out with that. They, most of his parts should be coming in this week to be able to, uh, to ship out to guys who want to invert their pedals. The process of bleeding them is not that complicated anyway, because when I did have the the set that was leaking, um, before he replaced them, uh, I had to rebleed them about every three days or so, and uh, it's a pretty simple process. So, do you have the new set with the new uh, fitting and the new cylinders? I, I, I'm not sure to be honest. I don't the know. New, when the the ones that were leaking were Willwood, and the the new ones are the ones they make in house now. The, the master cylinders themselves, which are pretty cool. But uh, I can't wait to invert these. I think it's going to be a lot better than what they already are. Um, just because I tried the ones out in the shop and they were inverted and it just felt more natural. Um, I was watching your stream yesterday, Dave, and I saw, are your pedals straight 90 degrees? The brake and clutch are, the, the throttle is not. Yeah, I have the throttle leaned back and it's a pain if you're new to these pedals, if they're at 90 degrees. So I have it kind of canted back a little bit on my mounting, but um, yeah, it takes a while for your Achilles and, and your shins to get used to the new position. Um, I guess it didn't feel that different to me because because it's so much of a pressure feeling anyway that it, it, just, it, it just works for me and feels right. Yeah, I came from the CSL Elites, the, the Fanatec load cell, and they were canted back to some degree, and these ones are straight up, so it's like my left side leg muscles had to redevelop something new, but uh, inverted inverted would be pretty cool. What a, what a win to have, to be able to, uh, you know, provide hardware for Roush Fenway uh, racing. Keselowski, Roush, whatever it's called. I don't can't keep up. I'm going to be but, bummed uh, out if they make that a pedal set you can buy because that was pretty damn cool to see the set and just what it'll look like and the brake pedals. So if they make that a set to purchase, I'm uh, wife might not be happy. Yeah, what if we could actually put those pedals with our cylinders? Just making an upgrade kit. I always thought if my pedals fail, that it would be pretty easy to work with Lawrence to retrofit what I have. Like, like what I have, you know, the, the, the actual mechanical pieces or the, the, you know, the metal and the way it's mounted, that can all be reused if these things ever fail. I could just, you know, basically mount his hydraulic stuff onto it would be the, would be the idea. Yeah, and you can buy the parts individually. And in the way that the cylinder down at the bottom is mounted, it's just a bracket holding it on to the side of the actual pedal itself or to the frame itself. So honestly, I think anything could be possible um, with them. They could probably even just custom make you something. But yeah. All right, Tony. The first thing uh, we're gonna, or the next thing we're going to hit, we've got a tease from Cymetal or Cymetal. Yeah, apparently it was pretty uh, simple tease. Actually, it's just a picture of a new wheel, and I kind of like how they just they 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 kept it simple. It says functionality, ergonomics, artistry, and screen. And yeah, they got a big ass screen in the middle of this, uh, in the middle of this wheel. Um, what do you call this? Like an F1 style wheel? Yep, pretty much. Yeah. With a stink load of buttons and switches and like everything that you could want with four hands. 
Yep. Yeah, it actually looks like a real wheel that you're going to see out of a F1 cockpit. A lot of the beat buttons are easy to reach with a thumb. It's got two hat switches. Uh, it's got two axes on the pedals in the back, so you're going to have your double your double clutch option if you want for uh, for hot starts. Uh, it looks like. Um, four rotary dials or three three of the rotary dials in the middle and then and then four thumb rotary dials that that look pretty easy to get to as well yeah we we lost a we had a link for this but i don't have it anymore but they sell a wheel we've talked about before without a screen um and so this is their first uh you know one with the screen i think and so they didn't have it on their website or anything like that it was just a social media post with a picture so uh more more to come on that one i can guarantee the price will be at, at anywhere at least over a thousand oh yeah it's at one least of those yeah well tony are you paying attention to Assetec? Uh, not as much as i uh i need to but um Traxian podcast had um the ceo of aztec andre erickson um on and uh basically just kind of giving them a giving everyone a rundown of what the company's doing and uh what they are planning on doing in the near future yeah they want to take on fanatec they they want to make direct drive wheels and a whole ecosystem everything yeah so you got them uh moza doing the same thing and uh, yeah, Asatech's taken on Fanatec as well to get into that. Um, I don't know what you call it, mid range, because it sounds like this guy, they have almost a range for everybody. Because only a specific person is going to buy those Pagani pedals, but they're going to have a a entry, a mid, and a high end uh, level that you can that you can get into. So, it's just another option as the sport continues to, or this hobby uh, continues to grow. Number one simple tip. For for the guy though he's not listening to to me probably is just have good customer service, and you'll start to really swamp them. And also find some way to work around uh, the ecosystem where you can use old Fanatec gear into your stuff if you can hack into that any in any way. Yeah, so that wheelbase there they did a we did a video on this one a few about a month ago, and he has a quick release. You can kind of see the knob above the wheel rim, and you can just pull that, and the wheel. Um, the wheel comes off. It's actually kind of cool, but it, it looks like it's proprietary. Like you have to use their wheel with that wheelbase, and that that could be a problem. You got to get around that, in my opinion. If you're going to come into this this uh, business, I, if I want your wheelbase, I might not want your wheel. I want I want somebody else's, and I have to have a way of attaching it. That way, I don't have to put a hub on a hub. Hey, that was last show's title. <laughs> All right, Donnie. <laughs> More tip coaches. Yeah, I'm not seeing the link here in the edit screen, so I don't know what video this would be. Oh, they're load it's cell pedals. Load cells. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so they put off a, a video showing off their load cell pedals, and I believe they should be shipping soon. Everybody, the, the parts that they're waiting for came in uh, to complete the builds, and everybody should be getting those soon if they haven't got them already. But um, he just went over the design of the load cell and how it's different than everybody else's. I don't know if you guys saw the video, but they have a that giant six inch rod that comes from the back of the pedal. And that actually compresses discs inside that aluminum casing. And that's where the sensor is in the back. Um, but I, I actually got to, to try these out as well. And uh, I know this is a SIM coaches heavy episode, but they put out a lot of videos. So why not? But um, I was super impressed with, um, cause I had the, the Fanatec uh, load cells and those things suck compared to these. Like you couldn't get them that stiff. You could, you were barely maybe depressing the pedal, maybe a quarter an inch, and you were getting full throttle um, uh, compression 
depending on what you you know what you needed it for. So, and it felt super strong for 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 a load cell comparable to these these hydraulics. So yeah, they just keep coming out with good stuff. Well, the mechanism with the rod that you're talking about, I mean, it's up higher than it is with other pedals, like uh, the Acetex that we just talked about, the Paganis. Uh, you know, those are much farther down uh, the pedal uh, with, and with Lawrence's design, he's got them up fairly high, um, more for the ball of your foot would be, uh, you know, when you push on the pedal. And not just that, I was listening to Barry's review on another set of pedals. Um, actually, I think it might've been these sim coaches, the hydraulics. But if you notice all other pedal designs, they they drive they drive downwards into the cell or into the hydraulic. These go pretty much straight, and you want your hydraulic kind of horizontal. Rod, yeah. yeah, you want them to go straight, and that's what these load cells do. They go straight back from from the pedal face, and there's no angle to it at all. So I don't know if that's where you're getting a lot of the performance from. Well, also uh, the the pedal arm and the pedal position is 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 pretty identical to the positioning of the of the the uh hydraulics right it's it's up a little bit higher and you notice that when you were watching my stream that i don't think my heel actually touches my foot plate on my brake pedal yours doesn't and mine wasn't in the, and i'm a size 11 and i wasn't at the beginning um but i canted them back a bit uh with the platform so i kind of helped out a bit but um at first i was i had to lift my foot up off the off the deck to be able to to be able to break but it looks like you got comfortable with it. Well, I, I do, but I have enough of a dead zone programmed on there that I can that I can just rest my foot against there, and it just holds it up. So I'm not I'm not actively holding my leg in the air. It's just resting against the pedal instead of resting on, on the floor, and that, that kind of gives me an almost inverted feeling because I have it up that high. Yeah, and you'll be able to do that uh, with the visor app with these uh, load cell pedals as well, and create your dead zones and and your in dead zones as well. But uh, yeah, the dead zone. Um, I'm, I'm sure other manufacturers have that as well, but that's such an awesome feature to have because like you were mentioning last night, I rest my feet on the pedals, accelerator in and brake, and to be able to have those dead zones is awesome. All right. Uh, I'm going to throw this one at Tony. We've got a rig review and this is a uh, almost kind of a DIY in a sort of way. Yeah, almost. Uh, yeah. This is uh, probably like all of our dreams to be able to do this, but he's got himself like a, a full out cup car that he is going to convert into a rig. And so it looks he, like it's an old busher car. He did it himself. He just needed a little help from a cup team. Yeah. If like I had a Gen property and car, maybe my, uh, if I had my 50 by 50 garage in the backyard, this is not a terrible idea. Cause I think they're on the market now. The, the cup cars from the previous gen, but who knows how much they are. So I was in the commentaries on this video and, and I, I think Tony asked him, why did you pick a, the CSL DD? And he, and he answered and he said, it's a temporary project. He's only doing this for the winter and this car is going to go into actual racing next spring. So he's only, you know, doing this as a temporary project. So, uh, but yeah, he's got a CSL DD he's put in this cup car. Uh, he's got some Fanatec pedals and whatnot, and he's basically going to set himself up in the in an actual cup car to race. Now, now what that, is he going to do for V? Is he VR or monitors? I don't know. That is good use of inventory. That's actually going to go back into a race car. Well, while it sits in here, why don't I just slap a racing rig in it before it actually goes back to a real race shop? Seems like a lot of work that would frustrate me, but uh, yeah. But then if you're wearing VR might take away from the aesthetics that you're in a real race car 
I'm thinking. Yeah, that would it would make more sense to put some gigantic projection or something in front of the car. Um, that this may be a first though. Have we we've talked about people making the jump from sim racing to real racing, and we've talked about people making the jump from a racing to sim racing, especially during COVID. Right? We now have a car that is now going to have three lives. It was a it was a real race car. It becomes a sim rig, becomes a real race car again. And then maybe uh, back to being a sim racer next fall. As long as it doesn't get wadded up. Don't let him take it to the Roval. This <laughs> is so cool, though. What a, what a, just be able to have that option. Be like, oh, yeah, I got this race car just sitting around. Let's just turn it into a rig. Yeah, we'll race it in the spring. But until then, this, this sucker is going to this is going to hold my my Fanatec stuff. Tony, didn't you actually post this one, or was it Bobby that posted this one in the chat earlier? The the this new uh, DSC, DSD LMS uh, sim racing wheel. Oh, Bobby liked it. Yeah, this ain't me. Yeah, it was Bobby that 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 caught it and was interested in it. So what it is? It's um it says when in an era when everyone's jacking up their prices, uh, DSD is giving you discounts and they and they tell him he's lost his mind you can get this fx70 formula bluetooth rim with a huge discount hit the dd site for details and get yours now have any of you gone to see what what it is yeah 500 bucks yeah that's not that's not bad that's not bad um yeah for only only running the delara i i would think this is enough i think i have at least three rotaries there that would get me through but the bluetooth would probably be a killer for me i'd have to have a wired system just for peace of mind it is missing though one key feature and that's the the analog clutches you can get you can get those for the for the same price actually from fanatec true but you know some people are dsd fans i mean you got tony rochette with the He's got the button box on each side of his base, and boy, if so you have this I. wheel, it might match. Yeah, David has that. Yeah, and they're on my somebody list else on our team to purchase. Does. So I've pretty much narrowed it down to picking up two of their boxes for my rig. Because you can mix and match and pick exactly what you want on each side. It's very nice. Now, have you? Let's digress a little bit. We've been kind of talking about rigs, Donnie, uh, and different ones, and. I do want to point out that, you know, if you end up getting the, you know, the front mount uh, from P1X for the wheelbase, they have little cutouts in a kind of a tear shaped cutout. And Apex Racing makes these little button boxes that fit in those cutouts. They're so cool. Yeah, that'd be cool. Um, I have that. That's that and the ASRs or the Advanced Sim Racing or the two I'm mulling back and forth. Um, I have been in talking with, um, advanced sim racing if I can customize a rig and they respond probably just as fast as uh, sim coaches do at their customer service and so I don't know and they ship uh, I think they're Canadian but they ship I don't know how they ship but they're Canadian and they can get it down here for a decent price yeah Greg those, bought those, from DS, them, so. those DS, the DSD boxes actually mount directly to your wheelbase in fact as well they're they're both good options. I mean, I'm usually going to be a fan of anything I bought, except I except think what I'm trying to say: shifter. don't buy buttons until you figure out what rig you got. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Definitely.
off results, uh, let's start by uh, telling us about our uh, result sponsor. Yeah, and so that's in need of an identity. A wrap is more than final on a car. It's you and your team's identity on track. So stand out, not blend in. Sim wraps can design not only your race vehicle, but fire suits and helmets as well. Sim wraps can work with any budget to make sure you do stand out in a crowded field. Make sure to pull in for a pit stop and check out our work at simwraps.com or your typical social media like Facebook and Instagram. Arlington. All right. You're not going to believe this. I'll start yeah, this off. This is pretty crazy. P3. P3. Started mid-pack. I got to about fifth. I ran the back half of the top five for most of the night. Wow. At one point, we split tire strategy, and I ended up actually leading some laps. Some short runs at the end played in my favor. I will take that podium. Hell yeah. Yep. Tony, it looks like he had a P11. Uh, he says, sounded like, oh, I remember this. He sounded like a squawker all night. He, we couldn't hear him on team speak very well. He had some kind of chipmunk almost kind of sound. He, he had the pole and led a couple of laps. And then when he went into the pit to try to figure out the audio, he came back to the front and again pitted. And he must have gotten a black flag for something hit because he had to go back again. And he made his way up to the front again. It was definitely a top three car. He pitted for two tires on the green-white checkered. Second place hit the wall and he got in the back and had a, made a save. Then hell broke loose and he survived for 11th, I guess. And then uh, my result was pretty simple and short. 21 laps down, I just got caught up in an unavoidable accident. Accident. I couldn't see the, the car that I ultimately hit. I thought they were all down low, washing out on the apron, and there was still one left up high. Yeah, I finished P11. It's probably my best run in the NIS car, or the, the next-gen car in the NIS series. I started uh, 24th, but I had good long run speed, and we had good long runs, so that kind of helped for me. And I think I had one to two contacts with the wall, but nothing crazy, so I stayed out of trouble. I wasn't caught up in the incidents, and uh, I really enjoy Darlington, so it's always a fun week uh, for me as well. But yeah, my best uh, results so far, it's only a P11, but, but I'm getting there. I'm hoping I'm going to do pretty decent tomorrow night in Kansas. We'll see. Top 10 is next. Uh, Tony Rochette, Sunday Open, P33. Second straight pole for the lady in black, but the winch had other plans. First, Steam VR decided it wanted to quit on me three laps in of my second and a half lead out of turn two, and I made it safely to the inside wall without killing anyone. They got I racing back up, I was four laps down. I think I passed more cars than I ever had to get within a lap down and some back marker just doors me out of four and kills it. I had a ton of fun with Darlington this week, but have had the crappiest luck. And the same goes for me. I, w I had some good A, a open results, but uh, nev never got a good finish in the, in the opens. Um, I, it was another unavoidable wreck. This one was on lap three. Everybody was bunched up. And the guy, he, I actually asked him about it afterwards, and, and uh, he said he thought the other guy was giving him the spot, and he, he washed up and came right across his nose. He called it called it his, his own mistake, and I was like, yeah, we've all been there um, when you own up to it. But, boy, it was unlucky, and it took out it took out at least 10 cars, including me. And this one I didn't stick around for. I went, I went ahead and just went on and did other stuff at that point. 
All right, Sunday fixed, wrecked out. I got squeezed hard into the wall at one point early, three and a half minutes damage, but the car was still fast. As I did repairs each caution, I would drive back up through the field like I was 25th to 10th or 21st to 8th. At some point, I gave up fixing the damage and kept track position. I got to the lead for at least one lap. I was running fifth near the end and someone ahead spun way down low and came right back up into the track and I plowed in hard. 16 minutes damage. But I tell you what, uh, the race with Tom tonight was a lot of fun. You know, I drove through the field multiple times. We were running third and fourth and I'm trying my hardest to get to second and I just couldn't do it. And I, I finally told Tom, look, uh, go take a swipe at it. And so I let Tom go by me to third and I went to fourth and he drives right up to the front, takes the lead. If there was no caution, Tom Dryling had them covered. He was driving away. Um, but, you know, to, to run like that in a fixed race in NIS, when everyone is in the same set, you know, to run that well, it really felt good to both Tom and I. I mean, we were loving it. I mean, we were a good notch faster than everyone else in that room. Um, and so even though I had it wrecked out, I mean, I was really pleased with, you know, how the race ran. And, you know, I came from, like I said, from the front to the back multiple times. And, and to do that and fixed, I mean, that's really saying something. Uh, Tom, I mean, his, here's what his was, wrecked out. With about 10 to go, I drove up from fourth to the lead, but the caution came. I took tires, I restarted seventh. I got to fourth, but clipped a guy and spun out and wrecked hard. Needed a long run at the end to win it. Kansas, David, P11. Yeah, um, good long run speed. I found which line was better on the tires. And I would I would run down there even when somebody, some of the other guys would blast around me in the early laps. Uh, so, you know, incident free, good long run speed. I qualified for shit like usual and kind of climbed my way up throughout the race. I always drive. I'm just always slow on a green track. And then I don't know if it's just so many cars are wrecking out or I just my driving style suits the worn out track or the more rubbered in track. But every time it gets more rubber, I, do, I always do better. All right. P17, for me, I ran about 20th to 25th most of the event. Later, I got on an alternate tire strategy and led us some laps briefly, but there were no late cautions, and I ended up dead last on the lead lap. Uh, not a good showing for me. Yeah, looks like Kyle, uh, he started P7, he finished 12th. Uh, he started strong and burned up his tires, uh, found the top line was harder on the tires and made the car free on exit, which it does. Adjusted my line to the bottom and found more consistency and speed. After fa falling to the high 20s, I made my way back through the field, got as high as fifth, but just couldn't hold on to it. Last caution came with 10 to go. Restarted with six laps in P9 and just battled my way to a P7. Darlington and Kansas have been great for farming eye reading for me. Would you, uh, what do you guys agree on for uh, top middle bottom line? Uh, that's classified. Classified. You're right. Sorry. Uh, I'm comfortable up top. I'll say it. But at the end of the race, I was making hay on the bottom. Okay. 
the the top hurts the tires more. You can go faster there, but I could tell from the from the very get go on the first well from the first run, I was running high in one and two and low in three and four, but I could hear in one and two just how much more I was scrubbing tires for how much longer when I ran high than when I ran low. Because when I ran low, I was I was you just you're not turning as long, basically, and so it was it was just not wearing the tires out as much. Which sounds opposite to what I'm, I'm always thinking about. But uh, yeah, you're right. I, I tested that a few times with you last night, and uh, quicker on top, but you burn out quicker as well. So you're losing in the long run, burning the top. Honey Rochette, P something something made it to lap 20 when I decided to park it as my quality bar was just hanging out in the 40s, and I was blicking. Been a while since my internet took a big steaming pile. All right. Thursday open P6. Wow, am I proud of that? I actually ran a different set today than last night. It was worse. Usually we get better, but it was worse for me. I basically ran between 20th and 25th all race, just like the night before, basically. But some late cautions on this one and some good luck got me to the top 10 for the final restart. P6. I will take it and walk away. Uh, I was easily a 22nd place car, and to get a P6 out of it, I'll take it. I get real, real grouchy every time we're in the same race, because every time I'm starting to catch people and run everybody down, you're like, I need a caution. And then you get one, right? <laughs> yeah, it's great how we're all different in what we want. You, you like short runs, I, I would prefer zero cautions throughout the entire race, but, but to each their own. All right, other official racing. I ran the F2000 at Lime Rock, qualified P7 out of 13. I went off my track, went off track by myself three different times, ended up P9. David, P1 at Daytona. And yeah, that was uh, three times. Um, the first one I, I wrote in details and then I, I just was like, okay, it's become an old hat, so I stopped writing the, the details. Um, the first one was a really hard fought full field. I was the seventh or eighth ranked LMP1. So there wasn't, there wasn't just one of those where I show up in the evening and only three guys sign up for the LMP class and it's and it's a walk away win. Um, I set the pole, but I had a competitor who was set up to run very fast on the banking, whereas I was really fast on the infield. So he basically, he probably just had less downforce than me. Uh, I would stay in his toe for the fast half of the race. I would run him down in the infield and then lose a little ground every time in the bus stop. But after I ran him down and, and passed him one time, he decided he, he would probably be better off um, short pitting which played right into my hands because I was able to then run it all the way to the, out of fuel and, and have the lighter car for a few laps with the clean track. And after the cycle, I came out with three, a three-second lead and finished with about a se uh, seven-second lead or so. When, once I got past him, he, he wasn't able to, I guess, use my toe any in the on the front stretch. The other two, they were also full fields, tough, tough fields, um, and I gained almost 400 eye rating this week picking up the three wins at Daytona in a sim coach's car All right donnie b car yeah kansas i was looking at my stats uh through my spreadsheets and this is my worst track um did qualify ninth but i uh, just have no speed here up with the trucks or the b car but uh i don't know i think i'm pretty confident with the 
the cup cars. We'll see how tomorrow goes, but yeah. So far, it's my worst track. It seems so simple, but I'm so slow. Right. Make sure you're tracking your 20 lap average at this place. Yesterday was the first time I ever did it, and it was super exciting. Did you see did you see how much better you off are in 20 laps than you are looking at that one lap, right? There's the, the practice leaderboard is the worst thing in practice because you got everybody out there just hot lapping. And they, even if they do eventually practice for long runs, a lot of guys just want to get in there and win practice. And I'll be sitting in there and I will literally be 30th on the speed chart. And then I'll go look at the 20th average and be all the way up at the top. So, yeah, I hate not having this stuff earlier on, even though it was available. So I downloaded it yesterday and I started using it, but I, I was running that. And then with like a couple minutes to go, I wanted to do a pull run just so I can be first in practice. But uh, yeah, so I made it, uh, was able to top the charts, even though I was going for my 30 lap averages. It's probably because you knew the track a little bit better at that point, too. And yeah. uh, the software he's talking about is Stint Analyzer, who is actually a friend of the show and actually has our our logo in their app as well. Oh, shout Very out well. to shout out to Ricky Thompson there. Yeah, it's good stuff. Great app. It's just great for these people building the stuff for the community, helping people out. All right. Hosted. I ran Chris McGuire hosted 87 cars at Talladega. I started dead last. I was wrecked out pretty darn quick. Next up was Kia Optimas at Daytona. Also wrecked. We had a nice pack going though. Uh, somebody took me three wide and I hit them and it was over. Next race, 87s at Talladega again. Wrecked out quick. Next, I tried UMP Dirt Modified at Lima Land. Uh, it was like a demo derby with no damage on. It was a lot of fun though. Uh, I'm not very good in that car, though. All right. With that, let's um, jump to final thoughts. David Hall. Well, if you haven't tried the Week 13 ridiculousness this year it's or this season, it's pretty funny. It's uh, the Cup cars, the ARCA cars, and the Indy cars at Super Speedways. And it's been pretty fun. I've only had time to run one, but it was pretty entertaining. I came in P2. I got separated from the leader because there was it's chaos. And what, what's particularly interesting about it is how pretty e almost equal the ARCA car and the Cup car run. They 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 both they both tend to pack race, and then about every five laps, the Indy cars just come blitzing through, passing you under the yellow line and on the wall, and just doing their best not to die when they're coming up on the moving chicanes. Yeah, that's awesome. My son's been running that. Yeah, it's pretty fun. Um, so check that out if you haven't. And that's about all I have for the night. All right. Donnie Spiker, final thoughts. Yeah, not too much. I'm glad I uh, didn't discover, but finally got uh, off my butt and downloaded Stint Analyzer last night and used it and thought, what the hell have I been waiting for? Um, I made the decision this week to not build my rig based off time and energy and essentially saying my wife's saying, telling me to take it easy. So I'm going to end up purchasing one here probably in the next month or so and see how it goes. I got two on the list that I'm looking at and we'll see how it goes. All right. Before you uh, jump in, Greg, Greg just, I was about to say, yeah, did you see Greg just come back on? Yeah, Greg, final thoughts. I'm here. Um, just looking forward to uh, racing tonight with the, uh, I guess as you could call before the get her done guys, but uh, yeah, we're racing at Sebring, which is your favorite track, David. One of your favorite tracks. 
last time we were there, I won it. So we'll see what happens. Uh, it's build week, kind of underwhelmed with the build, but you can't win them all, right? Yeah, it's all right. We got next gen AI. I think that's the big one for me. I like that too. All right, uh, Tony Groves, final thoughts. Yeah, uh, big thumbs up for the uh, next gen AI. I'll be making uh, a lot of use out of that as I've uh, noticed my Mondays have been freeing up. And so that'll be a good time to be able to get some early practice in before it you know, officially uh, flips over for the week. Other than that, I haven't been doing any racing. Uh, barely even been able to log into iRacing. Life is uh, just busy, and it usually is about this time of year. So a couple more weeks, I'm sure, and then things will slow down a little bit and kind of settle into the into the winter and uh, get a little bit more racing done. But, um, yeah, not a, not a huge build, but um, the AI, uh, next-gen AI is, is, a, is a great plus. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it as well. Maybe Tuesday nights for me. Uh, my final thoughts, I, I got some work to do on the sound. David, you had a great idea. I'm going to hook the Asus audio output from my monitor directly to my sub and see and have that separate from the left and right mains. I'm going to do that tonight and try to get a good balance on the sound. Something else that's happened in my life is my wife has taken a new job or a new position at her job. And she's swing shift, so she's basically not here anymore when I race, which means I can turn it up. And so for the longest time, she would go to bed early in the room right above my office, and I couldn't run really any external sound because it would disturb her. So now that's all out the window. I'm going to start running uh, the speakers again and the sound really loud um, and just use the headphones for uh, voice only, uh, voice chat only. So I'm going to work on that tonight. The other problem I've had recently, my butt kicker is rotating on the little pipe behind my seat. And uh, I've been turning it up a little more, trying to get some more feel from it. And it's literally gradually spinning. Like every time I get out of a race, I look at it and it's twisted another, you know, quarter of the way around. Even though I've turned that handle as tight as my hand can tighten it, the thing is still moving and I'm not sure what to do about it. So I'm kind of looking at alternative ways to mount that. Can I put it somewhere else where it, you know, that's not happening. So uh, if anyone has good ideas, let me know. And with that, hey, we'll see you on the track later. Thank you for listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast. Make sure you go to subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, Facebook, and Twitter. See you on the track.